K. Stands for a big Kev. Not Burger King in this instance. BK stands for Big Kev. Big Kev back with us on another Endless Promo podcast. It's Friday. It's May. And going against Smokey from Friday, we do have stuff to do. Today we're talking about one of Big Kev and I's favorite topics. The Dark Knight himself. One Bruce Wayne a.k.a. Batman, a.k.a. Justice, a.k.a. the DC legend. And we are, we're planting our flags in the ground. We are going to pick our Batman. So, who's your Batman is on the lineup today. We're going to, uh, we're going to give you a brief history of the Dark Knight, you know, I had to look back in the the old Google machine, the old interwebs to just kind of fact check myself. I wasn't too far off, Kev. So since 1966, with the Batman movie starring Mr. Adam West, if you had to ballpark it, how many Batman films do you think have been made? And we're not including offshoots. We're not including Joker. We're not including Lego Batman or any of the straight to DVD now compartmentalized and organized very well on HBO Max animated DC movies. No Justice League, no Suicide Squad. Legit Batman movies since 1966. What do you think? Gosh darn it, you're good. There's there's 14. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. 14. Um, and in order, I'm going to blast through this because the joy of the next 20 to 30 minutes of us picking our Batman is going to light it up. But I want to give the people a rundown of the, the upkick, the trajectory of the Batman franchise in movie format, live action movie format. 66, Adam West starts it with Batman the movie. The wham, pow, slap, gag, proverbial, goofy 60s action movie. And the one that I think a lot of people in our parents' generation identify with. But after 1966, after 1966, there is basically a 20 plus year gap until 1989's Batman Tim Burton Michael Keaton they they return a few years later they do Batman returns in 92 and then we start getting into a little bit of a strange era with the big Hollywood budgets and deviating from the darkness of the Tim Burton films uh, getting into Batman Forever um, in 95 Batman and Robin in 97. I'll always have a special place in my heart for that because of the McDonald's Collector Cups. And Arnold's appearance. Amen. Batman Begins in 2005 starts the return to darkness, return to realism, uh, starring none other than the United Kingdom's Christian Bale. 2005's Batman Begins 
goes into 2008's Dark Knight. We all know the the real star of 2008's The Dark Knight, R.I.P. Peace be to Heath Ledger. 2012, we get The Dark Knight Rises with Bane. That's right. 2016 is where things kind of go sideways, in my opinion. We go right into uh, this modern hot trash that DC's producing with 2016's Batman versus Superman. Um, they follow it right up with Justice League. Literally, like, within 10 months, Justice League comes out 2017. And then the last movie, uh, the last live-action movie in the Batman franchise, which I believe they're signing on to do at least two more of, is none other than Twilight's Robert Pattinson doing a pretty good job as Bruce Wayne as a youngin, starting out as the Dark Knight uh, in 2022. So in all, 14 films. Disclaimer was sated earlier in the podcast. If you're just catching up, we're not bringing in Joker and Lego Batman and all that stuff. 14 films. But today, the topic of conversation between BK and yours truly. Who's your Batman? Kevin, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you, OC. Thank you very much for having me back. And uh, let me let me just start by saying, full disclaimer, I have not actually seen all of the later Batman films. I kind of forgot about some of the DC ones. And it's funny, as I was putting this list together, I did see the Robert Pattinson version. And I swear, I saw that movie a few months ago. I remember generally liking it. I cannot remember a single thing about it. And I don't know if that's because I'm getting old or if it's just because it was not that memorable. But uh, my list will not be populated with anything that recent. So there's my disclaimer. Okay. I'm going to launch right into it. Uh, And I, I sort of combine these into both film and television uh, and let it be known that I was not alive when this came out. So please don't mistake that for uh, my, my adoration for this uh, number three on my list for my age. But the OG Batman of the screen starring the esteemed Adam West as Batman there is just so much to be said for the 1966 uh, film and, uh, and and TV version of Batman. And, you know, as I was looking this up, I remember watching this as a kid. It was already long in syndication by the time I was able to watch it. Um, but it seemed to me like there were just, like it must have been on forever, like for years and years and years and years because there were so many episodes. It only ran for three seasons, OC. But guess how many episodes they did of the show? Okay, so I'm horrible at this only because um, I recently did this with Filmation's He-Man, which only ran for two seasons. But there were seasons embedded in the seasons, and there were over 100 episodes. Yes. So between 1966 and 1968... They did 120 episodes of the Batman TV show. God bless Adam West. Plus a feature-length film. That is bonkers. Like, did he ever get out of the Bat costume? <laughs> I think he 
bat deodorant and, uh, you know, like Lysol or something, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a very impressive uh, bat nose to the bat grindstone kind of effort. Um, Now, in fairness, it helps when the writer's kids could probably have written the formulaic scripts and, uh, you know, the props were probably outclassed by the local middle school play productions. Uh, but, you know, still, that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, another thing that was impressive, and I have no idea how I missed this all these years, uh, a couple of Hollywood heavyweights uh, contributed to the effort. You had Vincent Price as Egghead. Totally forgot about that. The... the uh, horror legend Vincent Price and the narrator of uh, you know the pop phenom thriller uh, pretty impressive that he was part of the Batman lore and then Burgess Meredith totally forgot he was Penguin yep I, I, I mean now whenever I hear Mickey getting on Rocky's case about you know not doing enough jump ropes or you know having uh, too many adoring fans in the gym I'm just going to hear the Penguin and it's, it's actually kind of awesome. So, as a kid, you know, I loved this movie, or this, uh, well, the movie and the, and the TV show, because, you know, it, it was, like, simple. It was Batman and Robin solving crimes, driving around in the Batmobile, outsmarting the bad guys, and, you know, they beat them up to save the day, and, and that was more than enough to draw me in at a young age. Uh, you know, it was a a superhero TV show that I was actually allowed to watch, uh, you know, during the day when I was sick or whatever. Like, yeah, sign me up. Kevin, you just literally, you ripped the thought cloud out of my brain with that last (laughs) statement, because I was just about to say between 1966, Batman, the movie, the actual Batman show and the price is right. I don't think I watched anything else on television when I was sick or pretending to be sick home from school. You just had to throw on Nick at Night. You had to throw on TBS and or TNT. And you had to throw on CBS. Yeah. And you recovered completely. Yeah. I mean, this uh, it, was, it was a must watch if you ever had the uh, quote-unquote misfortune of being home on a weekday from school. So um, I loved it, but, you know, in hindsight, like, (laughs) so much about this show and that movie makes no sense. Uh, Setting aside for the moment the really far-fetched and usually, like, poorly described resolutions to, like, how they cracked the case, but there was even weird stuff that, as I got older, sort of dawned on me, like, why did they have a police commissioner and a police chief? Well, what is the point? I mean, I understand it's probably an artifact of, like, the organizational structure of the NYPD in real life, but for a half-hour show based on a cartoon, did, did these two actors, like, tie for the role and they figured they had to write both of them in because they liked them both so much. Did they just? Did they feel they needed to have this vaguely Irish-accented cop character in Chief O'Hara? Like, was that like a you know a quota they were trying to meet? Like, I don't understand. 
get why they then. I'm, as a man who now, uh, in my big boy job, works with M&A and um, fixing redundancies from an org chart perspective, it seems a little suspect. Um, I can give you that. I, I'll tell you what, when, when I watched the show, a couple of things always just blew my mind as a little boy. One was... And I don't know who this is. I, I, I bet you we could identify it. But do you remember the little bust that revealed like the bat button when you yeah, folded? Yeah, tilted his head back. Tilted his head back. You pressed the red button. Yep. And that was the bat button. That always floored me because I was like, oh, dude, it's about to get off. Like we are. It's on now. And then the other thing that that, you know, I still wrestle with today because it's an actual thing. Are these repellents for wild animals? Um, do you think shark spray actually exists? And if it does, is it effective? And then from a third bullet point, was shark spray never thought of until Batman? Um, I have to believe that Batman invented it because, you know, he, in addition to being a crime fighter he is a scientific crime solver yes sort of the you know the melding of the two concepts of the original comic uh as they fleshed out the character so i think batman did invent the idea and yes they have tried to replicate similar things but would i go into like a chum filled ocean with whatever they've up with for shark spray i no. Would you go into a chum-filled ocean wearing Batman's utility belt and just kind of rolling the dice, though? Well, I don't think the belt in and of itself would be enough. In fact, uh, I don't think that even the later versions of the Bat suit would be enough. If you recall, um, you know, even the uh, the modern version from the Christopher Nolan films was not going to help with the dogs. Ooh, Possibly. yeah, you're right. So sharks, no, it's it's not going to be enough. Yeah. Enough. Okay. Well, I mean, so so I feel like we've waxed poetically on 1966's Batman the movie, and, and in order to kind of keep this somewhat timely, provided you don't have any closing thoughts, just one. Okay, Very, go ahead. And this is to all of the world leaders from here forward. Let us now settle all battles of good versus evil with a good old-fashioned Donnybrook. No yeah. nukes, no drone strikes, no cyber attacks. Just duke it out, man. Throw you, some hands. Yeah, I tell you what. Um, in hockey, we called it locker boxing. You just put yeah. your helmets and gloves on. And the dispute was managed anywhere between eight seconds and a minute, and then it was done. Um, I completely agree with you. You could settle so many, um, you could settle so many issues in life with just a quick old fashioned Donnybrook. Yeah, uh, Batman and Joker can do it episode after episode. I don't see why everybody else can. Relationship: the relationship seemed a lot more jovial in that version of Batman than what it became. <laughs> Quite right. Right. Right? So go ahead, man. Fire it up. I want your number two. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm going back to back? 
Go, yeah, I want it. I want it. I want because I told you before, and, and fans, like with most things in my life, I'm all in, and I'm pushing my chips to the center of the table with my number one, my Batman. It's not going to be a whole lot of uh, detail on my two and three. I'm top heavy on this. So, Kev, I know you're you're a lot more uh, you're a lot more spread out. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. So, my number two, uh, another seminal film from my uh, childhood era, none other than 1989's Tim Burton directed Batman. Uh, the cast had multiple Oscar winners. You got Hollywood legends. Jack Nicholson, Jack Palance, Kim Basinger, uh, Michael Keaton, of course, is Batman. Uh, even Billy D. Williams is in there. Like, just phenomenal cast. And you got Tim Burton at the helm. His creative touch uh, kind of really brought this into the modern era. It, it made for, it's really, it's sort of the father of the modern su- superhero movie. It's you know, way darker than Superman was. It, it, it quite easily escapes the campiness of the 60s version. Um, it, it stood out big time uh, when it came out. And, and it stood out financially as well. So listen to this list of films it beat out at the box office. So it took in uh, close to half a billion dollars at the box office. And it beat out Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Lethal Weapon 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, When Harry Met Sally, The Abyss, Uncle Buck, Dead Poet Society, Parenthood, Turner and Hooch, and even Weird Al's UHF. Kevin, we're, we're just going to – we're going to do it now. We're going we're gonna to do it now. We're going to do it now. Uh, Keaton's, <laughs> Keaton's my Batman. Keaton okay. is – Keaton's my Batman – um, he's my Batman by the boatload, okay? Michael Keaton as Batman, to me, is one of the male archetypes that I've modeled myself after. And it literally shaped my personality from the ages of roughly three until present day. That movie, it smoked expectations. Tim Burton... He reaches out to Michael Keaton literally as a favor. Can you read this script? Because I'm doing Batman. And they had worked together on Beetlejuice. And um, Keaton reads the script and is like, nah, yeah, you just kind of like see him, you know, like with his little beautiful blue little eyes, just kind of with his, his readers down at the end of his nose, reading this script for Batman and being like, you know, I'm not into this, right? Like, it's not, I'm kind of a funny guy. I've done Beetlejuice. That was kind of in the same type of dark vein. This isn't a comedy. This 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 Batman movie, this script I'm reading, it's dark. I mean, it's, it's coming back off of, like, the original Bob Kane um, trajectory of, like, this guy's not, he's not an anti-hero, but he's not Superman. Like he's not smiling with, you know, kissing babies and and flying through the air in tights. This guy's gritty. He's a tough guy. And Keaton wasn't into it. So he basically had to be talked into it by Tim Burton. You mentioned 
the numbers, which as a person with a graduate's degree in finance, I love numbers. Listen to this, Kev. So they break out of the blocks here. Opening weekend, $40 million in 1989. Opening weekend. Sets the record for any Canada-US film um, opening weekend up to that point. And since Keaton is my Batman, and we're going to talk about both, I'm assuming. 92, they come back with Batman Returns. 92, Batman Returns opens up with a $45 million opening weekend. And it beats, guess what, the record held by 1989's Batman for an opening weekend. So yep. keep going, man. I, I, you, you guessed my Batman in a sideways, sideways way. So let's just wax poetically. Well, let me let me add a little extra kind of personal color to this because uh, you know you can't tell from uh, you know our voices maybe, but uh, I am you know a couple years older, so I was able to live through the Batman phenomenon when I was in like sixth grade or something, and uh, still remember it very well. It was a huge deal when it came out. It was so huge. It made kids fanatical about trademark infringement. Knockoff Batman apparel was taboo and to be punished on the playground. I mean, it was critical that you had your officially licensed Batman shirt with like, you know, the yellow on black logo had to be the correct size and proportion with the registered trademark next to it. And God help you. If you wore the old blue and gray logo, you might as well have been wearing like Green Lantern underroots. You may as well have been wearing a sweater with a duck on it, like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. You would have been better off on the uh, on the mean streets and playgrounds of Lindbergh Elementary School. So, um, yeah, it uh, it was a huge thing, very enduring memory. And and to your point about the kind of bringing back the darkness factor. Yeah, the, the, the comic book character Batman was not the guy you wanted your daughter to marry. Right? No. Like, he was angry, he was vengeful, and he, he didn't just throw down with the villains. Like, he killed them, you know, a lot of them. <laughs> so that was not uh, the Adam West version, but uh, it definitely... The, the 89 version didn't quite go that far, but it's much closer to that original vision. Um, even the costume, you know, you think about the, uh, you know, the, the evolution of it, you know, having Batman in more of the like black on black uh, is a huge departure from the gray and blue scheme of most of the earlier comics. But it seems more Batman. Yeah, it's the, the movie is. Um, so I, I, I'm only slightly younger than you. So the my first experience with Batman was my dear beloved mother taping Batman off of HBO on a VHS, and um, I remember her taping it. It was it was in a brown little VHS box and it just said Batman on it and I would I would watch that movie stacked with Rambo 3 
nonstop, like just yeah. nonstop. And depending on which day it was, you were either getting Batman or Rambo. Okay. And most of the days, uh, Rambo was actually probably easier to deal with than Batman because Keaton's Batman is a dark dude. He's, he's not very long in terms of his conversational skills, short to the point, uh, definitely doesn't like to gab like I do. So it, it's, it's always puzzled me that I've related so much to him. Um, it, in the research and like leading up to this, this conversation we're having now, I found some nuggets that are fact-checked and are absolutely mind-blowing. So Keaton's our Batman. He's your number two. He's my number one. I'm going to read a little list here of guys that turned down the role of Batman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I I told you, you know, a few minutes ago, Keaton wasn't too excited by the script. Didn't know if it'd be a fit for him, especially at that time in his career. So they go to Gibson. Mel Gibson. No, thanks. They go to Kevin Costner. No, thanks. They go to Charlie Sheen. No, thanks. They go to Tom Selleck. Nah, not interested. Harrison Ford. Mm, not going to work. Dennis Quaid. I don't think so. You know what? Somebody call Bill Murray. Nope. So they go with Keaton. And those are the guys that could have been my number one, your number two. Imagine we just did last week the space-time continuum of sitcom star swapping. Can you see, like, 89's Batman with, I don't know, Tom Selleck? Uh, I don't want to see Keaton replaced, but I would love to see Tom Selleck play Batman. Can you, can you see it? Okay, maybe maybe it's a bad example because I know that your dad was historically mistaken for Tom Selleck in Japan. Uh, in Hawaii. Hawaii, okay. So, right, yeah. Dennis Quaid. So, Dennis Quaid's Batman. Yeah, I mean... Here's, here's why Keaton works better than any of those guys, though. Keaton has this, and you, you were absolutely spot on, he was much more known for his comedic roles, but you alluded to it earlier when you were talking about his eyes. Keaton's got this thing where he gets this look, and there's there's just this this hint of darkness in there. Like, he, he, you, would, you would look at him at the dinner table, and glance over at you as he's passing the salad and you'd be like is is he passing me the salad or is he about to bludgeon me with the tongs yeah he's got a very unique just like if you if you study the way that he like kind of squints i i tell you what recently we watched and i know this is this is really revealing uh, a new film that came out about five years ago uh the founder where he plays Ray Kroc, uh, you know, and, and they show how McDonald's kind of came to be. Kevin, I could not concentrate for longer than 13 seconds without looking into that man's beautiful eyes and just being like, it's Batman. <laughs> so, like, you're trying to believe him as Ray Kroc, and I'm just like, oh, Batman's eyes are beautiful. The entire time. <laughs> like, I couldn't even... Stephanie's like, do you, do you like the movie? I'm like, um, yeah, I mean, Keaton's awesome. I don't know what's going on because I'm just mesmerized by Keaton right now. Yeah, he, 
he, uh, I'll tell you what, there's no, in my view, there's no better scene in that film than when you get the full Keaton playing Batman. And that's the scene when he's at Vicki Vale's apartment and he's about to confess, you know, that I'm Batman. And, you know, he's sort of like trying to hype himself up and then the doorbell rings and lo and behold, the Joker strolls in with his gang and uh, Keaton confronts him and he, he starts telling him a story. He's like about a bad kid, bad seed, like to hurt people. And uh, the Joker's like, I like him already. And so Keaton goes on for a couple more minutes and then he picks up this like the poker thingy that you use for the fireplace. Yeah. And he's mashes something on the mantle and he's just like now you want to get nuts come on let's get nuts and he's got that look in his eyes like holy smokes there's keaton and that in a nutshell is why keaton can make it work do you do you remember do you remember the scene where he's um so there's just the the guy only has first name uh, like a first name in the original batman his name's nick it's one of like joker's cronies Okay. He actually had an action figure for Nick. I had a three pack when I was a kid. It was the Joker, Batman, and Nick. Uh. And Nick, Nick's getting kind of choked out by Batman. Don't kill me! Don't kill me! Don't kill me! Don't, ah! And Batman just goes, "I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. <laughs> oh yeah. I want you to tell all your friends about me." I am Batman. <laughs> I found that line to be so cool because in the script, it was supposed to be, I am night as in the dark night. And, um, like so many awesome lines in movies, just in general, the ad lib of I am Batman by Keaton. It stayed. And, um, Tim Burton kept it in the film. Yeah, he. Uh, I want to. I want to make one one more uh, observation about this one, but I, I will leave you with one more story about my childhood experience. So this was the first movie that I just not the first movie I saw twice in the theater. It was the first time that like I just went all the time. I think I saw this movie like four or five times in the movie theaters. It was just that big and fun and all that. And the second or third time I saw it during that scene. You know, theaters packed, Dearborn theaters. I don't even think it was Showcase Cinemas yet. It was that long ago. But uh, so we're watching it. I think it was my cousin Jeff. And the scene when he grabs the guy and the guy's like, who are you? And he's right about to give the line. And this little snot-nosed kid behind me just starts screaming, it's Batman, it's Batman. Oh, dear God. Like, oh, just, because I had already seen it. I knew the line, but I was waiting for it. Yeah, you, know, you want just, people to experience that. Yeah, and he just you know, blurted that out and ruined it. For, not that we didn't know who it was, but the line is delivered with such conviction. It's awesome, you know? And, it, and it's not, and we'll get into this, I'm sure. I, I think I know where you're going with your number one, because we got to get to it. But Keaton didn't really um, push his voice as Batman. Not really, a no, little bit. You know, and... Um, if you've ever seen any of the Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, there's a little bit of a voice pushing by my man. Um, but I, I want to move. I want to move because I could literally talk about this movie 
for the rest of the podcast and we'd be selling our listeners short. I do want to mention one last line that always stuck with me. It comes from 92's Batman Returns. And it's when Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, um, her and Batman are scrapping. And she goes, somebody say fish. I haven't been fed all day. And Batman goes, eat floor. And throws her on the floor. And he goes, high fiber. And so when I was a kid, I would wrestle my little sister down to the ground quite often, probably too much. And I would always tell her to eat floor. So. Oh, there you go. Number one, Kev. Number one. I want your number one. Give me your number one. All right. Well, uh, I think that if one of us hadn't uh, chosen this as number one, this podcast would have lost all credibility. Yeah. So, I think we know where we're going. Uh, yeah. And, and I sort of lump the Christopher Nolan trilogy uh, into one, kind of, just because it's one Batman fail playing him. Yeah. Uh, he, yep. But, I mean, The Dark Knight in my view, is not just my number one Batman. It's it's one of the better movies that they've made in a long time. Um, it's not a superhero movie. Uh, from the second I got done watching it, probably the first 30 seconds into it, I have said it's, it's a crime caper heist thriller that happens to have Batman and the Joker in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's as much like Heat or The Winter Soldier that came later than it is just a regular Batman movie. In fact, I don't even think that you have The Dark Knight without Heat, and I definitely don't think you have The Winter Soldier without The Dark Knight. Um, I remember seeing it at the IMAX theater when it came out, and about 30 seconds into the movie, you can just tell this is a different breed of Uh, side note, Kevin, um, the only time I've ever been to IMAX. I think it was for me, too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, but it, it, it was just just an experience from start to finish. And, you know, Bale's Batman, in my view, is actually, I think, the most complex and interesting of all of them. You know, he's effective and heroic, but he's also really human and relatable as you know genius billionaire superheroes go um you know he's got these like competing qualities about him he's he's been rich he's been destitute he's driven and purposeful yet he's kind of reluctant um he's self-loathing but he's not selfish he's devastating and powerful but he also is like really witty and has this awesome almost self-deprecating kind of sense of humor um i love that about him and uh, I think Bale just really nuked that role. So remove Bale from everything you just said. Did we just write one of the most compelling Match.com summaries for a single <laughs> Bachelor in the history of the world? Well, being uh, both of us happily married, uh, brother, we're going to have to sell that to somebody else. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, man. Okay, so any of the listeners who are – who are single and looking to mingle, go back on the pod at about the 35-minute mark and steal everything just just stated by Kevin. Um, and you will be going on a date probably seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, just throw us, just throw us a little shout-out, you know, 
the uh, first date goes swimmingly and just be like, props to my boys at the Endless Promo. Throw us a shekel on Instagram. <laughs> so, uh, but go ahead, man. I just, uh, I, 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 I love that you view, and I guess this is common with you and I, because obviously we just did it with um, Keaton. It's like something the Batman movies get well. And I think what they lost when they tried to scramble and just throw another cast in 95's, um, you know, Batman Forever, in 97's Batman and Robin, it's like these, the character is so in-depth, so deep. There are so many layers to the onion that is Bruce Wayne. You almost can't shoot a good movie without having like one or two more to keep telling the story and the the dark knight um i mean not to time stamp us like we seem to often do but when batman begins came out in 2005 i mean I, i i'll go as so far to say you and i were looking physically pretty good and uh we were we were no, Kevin, folks, BK, strapped up and iced out in 2005. And we were at the gym, hitting it hard back in the day. And I remember both of us just being like, did you see Bale in Batman? Like, the guy from Newsies? Like, American Psycho? Did, did, you, see, did you see Batman yet? <laughs> we both came to the same conclusion where it was like, First off, the movie's awesome, but wow. Bale yeah, I, is impressive as Batman. Dude, I, I, I'm so nerdy. I saw The Machinist at the movie theater, and I'm thinking, he literally gained like close to 100 pounds. Kevin, I had at that time in my life a subscription to Flex Magazine, <laughs> and... um. He won 2005's Flexi for Best Hollywood Physique because he went from, and somebody will fact check me and dead wrong me on this, but between those two films, because they were shot in relative proximity to one another, yeah, he gained over 100 pounds yeah, from right. one movie to the next, building that physique that he walked into The Dark Knight and uh, Batman Begins with. Well, it's a a miracle of modern uh, tenacity in the gym. I'm sure that's all it was. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, chicken, broccoli, white rice, and maybe some creatine. Yeah, yep. Let me me express, well, two things about this film uh, quickly before we move, move on, but the supporting cast in this movie is also excellent. In all of the Nolan films. I mean, Michael Caine, you got Gary Oldman. I mean, appearances by Rutger Hauer, um, yeah, Eric Roberts. Yep. But, but dude, if this Batman, if, if he isn't the one that you really want on your side for any other reason, it's got to be that he's got Morgan Freeman in his corner, man. I mean, that is huge. What a great character Lucius Fox was. Yeah. And, you know, just 
hearing Morgan Freeman speak is amazing. And when he's speaking to Batman, uh, it's all just kind of mind-blowing. Now, in that in that vein, however, one tiny regret about this series, particularly The Dark Knight, really the only uh, film in which he has any meaningful role, Aaron Eckhart did a great job as Harvey Dent. I don't want to take anything away from his performance, but if you recall your number one Batman, 1989, the one who played Harvey Dent was the man, the myth, the legend, the Hollywood icon, Billy D. Williams. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm envisioning a young Billy D. Williams coming back and having the more fleshed out role as Harvey Dent and having him, Billy D, like Lando Calrissian, tap into some of the uh, some of the, the dark side to play Two Face. That sounds really interesting. That would have been. I, I I agree, um, and I know this may ruffle some feathers. Anything, in my opinion, is better than Tommy Lee Jones. I love Tommy Lee Jones. Did not love him as Two Face. God Almighty! What a waste of a character. Yeah, too bad. Yeah, it's uh, a fun movie, but uh, does not make the list, shall we say? You know it's bad. Kevin, when Jim Carrey, who I almost always mistakenly call Ace Ventura, even though his <laughs> real name is Jim Carrey. Or Fire Marshal Bill. It's bad. It is bad when he's in a movie. It involves like my, my second, uh, yeah, I'd say my second favorite superhero proper. He's in a movie as the Riddler, and I see the movie, and I'm just like, nah, I'm, I mean, I'm good. Like, I, I'm all right. Saw it once. I, I did my, I, I punched my my fan card, and I can I can sleep well at night because I know that I at least went and saw this Batman movie. But that entire film, which was loaded with Hollywood talent, it never came together, and it certainly didn't come together in the way that. Um, the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight movies came together. No, no. One other thing before we uh, before we close it out. Um, actually, no. We have to hear your two and three, dude. My two. Uh, okay. I mean, I I'll knock these out right now uh, if Go you ahead. want, but because uh, I I'm sure your last point's gonna be much more profound than mine. Um, we're, <laughs> we're stepping all over each other because yes, my number one. I mean, Keaton's my Batman. Um. I'm a male born between the years of 1978 and 2000. I don't know how you cannot just thoroughly enjoy the testosterone boost you get from watching Bale in the Dark Knight Batmans. Um, but I, I deliberately left my number two off and I've kind of delayed it and I almost wish you would have forgot about it because... <laughs> This is going to be the hottest take I've made so far in our podcast series. I almost don't want you to react to it because I want to save face and like leave together as friends. You've, you've, you've told me some pretty, uh, 
pretty whack opinions of yours over the years, uh, so I'm sure this will not rise to that level. I still think, uh, do I say it? Uh, do you want the podcast to have any followers? Because people will bail on you. There's a, you. There's a certain remake that I actually yeah. thought was pretty decent compared to the original, and Kevin didn't talk to me for like, what was that, about four months because of it? I I didn't talk to you after I ridiculed your choice by saying it was like comparing Nickelback to Ant Justice for All. Yeah, and I and, and I, I told a friend after that conversation that, and um, that friend reminds me of that line all the time now, so thanks for that. Um, <laughs> my number two. Gosh, do I say it? Like, I, I know I'm crossing the line here. Maybe it's just because I watched it by myself on like a Friday night while my wife and kids were in Florida. I actually could like really, really concentrate on it. Um, I went into it. Maybe this will save face. I went in it, into it with like the lowest of expectations you could possibly have for a Batman movie. Okay. Coming off of the heels of the trash, the dumpster fire that has been Justice League and Batman v Superman. My number two is uh, is Pattinson. In 2022's The Batman. Wow. Well, you heard my take on it. Yeah, I mean, you, you I, sliced and diced it. <laughs> so, even my own... Even my own wife... Does not like that take. Now, here's her issue, and I think it's a lot of people's issues, is she was a fan of the Twilight series. Um, I couldn't have turned my back and run further away from Twilight when those movies came out than uh, you possibly could. So I have no exposure to him in anything. Nothing. Yeah. I have nothing to... Um, I have no lens by which I'm viewing Robert Pattinson. I took the movie for what it was worth. The the one thing, and I swear to God, I'll keep this short. The one thing I really found helpful um, about the movie and making it cool and something that was tangible and entertaining was Batman's pretty real in the movie. He's not, he, he's, he gets beaten up. He has a tough time on, in like a 10-on-1 fight versus most Batman movies. 10-on-1's a warm-up on like level four on the treadmill for Batman. Um, yes, he's he's bruised in this movie. He's bleeding in this movie. He's outwitted in this movie. He's outsmarted in this movie. He's learning to be Batman just like I'm learning to be a dad and a husband and a son-in-law. And like, I, I was, I related to the vulnerability of Batman in this movie. As much as I love Batman being a complete tough, you know what? My number two is Pattinson just because this movie does a really good job of showing you that, Hey, he's in his twenties and he's just really mad about what happened to his parents. He wants justice and he's trying to figure this Batman thing out. And I think they did an okay job. Close it out, Kev, because we're coming up on 50 minutes here, and I think we're just going to break the podcast world if we go over 50 minutes. All right. Uh, my final
final thought in all of this is here's the deal. In the Bale films especially, and I think this started with the Keaton film, you had this remarkable advance in the bat suit. It just, you know, now we're talking. This is Batman. This is what you would want out of a fearsome hero who uh, kicks criminals' butts by night, right? Um, And I understand that, like, advances in costume technology and latex and neoprene, etc., by the late, you know, 80s, probably made it more practical to build a suit that looked cool and menacing that an actor could actually wear in a movie, okay? But, God rest his soul, but why did Bob Kane feel the need to dress Batman in tights in the original 1940s comic books? I mean, budgets, materials, the laws of physics don't apply whatsoever when you're drawing a picture on a piece of paper. He could have drawn anything in the world for Batman's suit, but he chose that, a full-body leotard with a Speedo over it. Kevin, this is so simple to diagnose. So simple. And as a man who is as beautiful from a body standpoint as you are, and who I know wears these products, that stuff was the original Under Armour compression gear. Yeah, but think of it. Like, I would say, no wonder Batman was so unhappy. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on a man to traipse around the city wearing something so revealing. You gotta always avoid carbs. You can never skip leg day. And, you know, you gotta, like, wear, you know, like, an extra, you know, pair of socks, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, to me, tights in the 40s, like, it's just the precursor to Under Armour compression fit. You know? I, 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 part of me thinks when he sat down to draw that, he had the foresight to know that men and women alike, they don't mind seeing a muscled-up dude wearing something tight. That is a tale as old as time. That has been around since the days of Jesus. Even Jesus had his robe on a little tight in some of the crucifixion scenes that I've seen in certain books. So I think it's a there's a high probability that the tights were there to show you that, listen, Batman will forever be a figure, at least physically, that every little boy can aspire to. And... I can't tell you right now how happy I am that he chose tights. I can't see Batman in a pair of cargo pants, okay? I can't see Batman in a pair of loose-fitting Fila sweatpants. Batman needs to be in 2023's hybrid Under Armour NFL Combine compression pants. And that's that's just how I feel about it. Well, you may be on to something in that there may be a practical purpose to it. If if the baddies see this dude coming and they're like, whoa, okay, he's he's not just wearing like some kind of like armor. 
Yeah. So there's a psychological, you know, sort of fear factor. He's playing mind games. I see where you're going. It, 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 it was a little uh, confusing to me, but, you know, you've, you've shown me the light OC. I'm, I'm on board. I appreciate that. I mean, to be fair, I've never seen a better teardrop on a man's quad than in some of the Batman representations I've seen from an original art perspective. Yeah, um, it's weird. Look, even when he's not even like, like he's swinging on a rope, he's not pushing off. He's not, not, he shouldn't even be flexing. Nope. But bam, still there. Yeah, that, that, that teardrop, his quad is just laid ever so beautifully over his kneecap. I don't know how he does it. Well, he doesn't skip leg day, that's for sure. No. Kevin, this has been an absolute riot. Uh, per usual, um, this this podcast is going to go up. Believe it or not, I don't know how we did this. You and I put together some type of an Instagram account, or maybe it's Facegram. I don't know what the kids call it, but we we are on Instagram. Um, really? We we plan on keeping this up every Friday, right around the lunch hour, and uh, it helps a ton if people push it. Share it with friends. Share it with family. Um, you're never going to get anything too serious. You're never going to get anything that you got to go home and reflect on uh, and sweat it out to think about. If anything, this is just something to laugh at. So uh, with that, Kevin, uh, another beautiful, beautiful display of your inner workings when it comes to film, when it comes to creativity. I absolutely enjoyed the conversation. I loved having you. And folks, I'll leave you with this. If you haven't seen a Batman movie, something is wrong. So if you need to start with 1966, do it. Otherwise, pick anything but Justice League, Batman versus Superman, or anything that has 1995 or 1997 written on it. (laughs) Kev, we out, dude. Peace out, brother. Bye-bye. Yep.